When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Saturday in Bramwich, it was nothing but pure drama. Here's Miller to Nelson. Five seconds, four seconds. Nelson a step back three for the win. Oh my goodness, he hit it with 1.1 to go. Here's the inbounds to Tyler Perry and Tyler from three quarters court. Oh, no good. And somehow, some way, TCU wins a wild game here. 75 to 72 against the Wildcats. That was game one of a doubleheader. Game two also came down to the wire. 6.6 for the Cats. Jalen Glenn's broken free. Under the bucket, the layup, good! You see, have to play it in. Jowett, shy of half court, lets it fly. No good, and the Cats again survive at home. Survive is right, I mean... Gutting out these home games once again without Aoka Lee. The K-State women on Saturday beat UCF in a low-scoring just battle. It, it, it was a battle, to say the least. 60-58 uh, to 58 the final score, but the K-State men, they fall short uh, thanks to that three-point buzzer beater by Jameer Nelson Jr. And the Horn Frogs win it 75 75- to 72. Side note from that game, Jamie Dixon grabbed my water bottle with about five minutes to go, and he took a big old chug of it. And what he didn't know is then and still right now, battling a pretty stiff cold. So uh, old Jamie Dixon is going to probably be under the weather, if not now, in a few days. Oh, my goodness gracious. So uh, that'll be an interesting conversation the next time you guys see each other at uh, the Big 12 Media Days next fall. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jamie, you didn't know this, but, uh, you know, when things were tense and the cats are making a comeback, maybe it was, maybe it was like three minutes left. You, you, you accidentally grabbed my water bottle. And uh, if you were all stuffy afterwards, well, that's why. Uh, you, you grabbed the wrong water bottle. The the TCU radio crew all looked at me at the same time. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't his water bottle. It was mine. Uh, I did not take another drink out of that bottle. Uh, I just threw it away. You didn't. You didn't. It wasn't. Uh. It wasn't. Uh. You didn't just throw it in the in the uh in the dishwasher and try to just scrub that thing out with as many disinfectants as possible. This is a. This isn't a. uh, Oh. oh, Yes. I know what you're saying. You're younger. Kids these days like to take the. I I know. Aluminum water bottles with them to school and everything. I just go to the fridge at Bramlage and grab a water bottle. Okay. Yeah. I know. The plastic bottles. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with AJ Shaw. Just us two in studio. Wyatt will join us here in just a second from uh, Austin, Texas. 
ESPN2 version of Big Monday tonight. Big 12 play. Cats, their only meeting with Texas in the regular season, will be tipping off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 following the Jeff uh, – check that no Jeff Mitty show today. Uh, they'll be back at it next week, so excuse me there. No Jeff Mitty show today. almost forgot about that. Uh, so we'll have pre-game co- coverage starting at 7 o'clock uh, right here on K-Man. Cats trying to end a skid of losing six of the last seven. That only win was in overtime against KU. KC women get set for a uh, top 25 West Virginia team coming into town. And fingers crossed, Aoka Lee is back for that matchup. We'll talk more K-State women's basketball a little bit later on in, in both hours. Hour number two will feature Mitch Palm versus Texas at 510. At 525, very uh, cool interview we're going to have uh, with Brendan Jones, center fielder from K-State Baseball, will come on to talk to us about the opening three games for the Batcats that went 2-1 and one down in Scottsdale, Arizona. And they get ready to play again tomorrow uh, in Tempe. They're going to play Arizona State, K-State, Arizona State, the two teams that were last year the first and second teams left out of the NCAA tournament. So these this is the Chips on Shoulders Bowl or World Series, or whatever you want to call it, when the Cats visit the Sun Devils tomorrow night with the first pitch at 7.30. And pregame will start 30 minutes prior. Uh, That'll be online only to start and then join in progress after uh, Manhattan High Hoops gets done with their season, regular season finale and senior day at home against Topeka Hayden. We are going to lead off with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson from Austin Tejas. Wyatt, we open up by discussing... The end of that game on uh, on Saturday, losing to TCU at home, seventy five seventy two. Cats are now at a record of fifteen and ten, five and seven in Big Twelve play. That last shot, I, I I swear from where I was sitting, Jameer Nelson just threw it up there with two hands. I got to go watch the replay, but just kind of threw it up there with two hands and got a little bit lucky. K State fought back with under a minute to go. They were down five. They were able to tie it up. And then the Horn Frogs just rip your heart out right at the end of the game. You know what was really weird? It looked to me like, and I have not looked back at the tape yet, but it looked to me like he bumped with his own teammate, Micah Peavy, a little bit and did did kind of flinch and fall back or whatever you want to say and then hit a really difficult shot just past the, the three-point arc to win it with 1.1 to go. I think it was you know, a very frustrating ending to a frustrating day for K-State. Um, Coach talked after the game about probably the biggest stat being the fact that, you know, they had 20 points on second-chance opportunities. K-State had only eight. Uh, you can talk about the one-for-15 three-point shooting for K-State, too, I suppose, where they went 6-14. of 14. Those two things, I think, and then that shot by Jameer, just uh, too much to overcome. Yeah, you mentioned the two stats that really stood out to me the most. I mean, the one for 15 shooting. K-State has not been a great three-point shooting team this season, and it's surprised because of Tyler Perry's reputation of being such a hot three-point shooter in North Texas. And he goes, oh, for six. Let's go to Tyler Perry for just a second because I think we've seen his game transition into more like a ground-and-pound type of game where he's going to – He's going to do what it takes just to get to the hoop and try to score some points. I think that part of his game has grown over the last couple of weeks. Three-point shots not hitting against TCU, but 
What do you got to say about Tyler Perry's effort scoring 24 points and keeping K-State in the game? Well, he was really good getting to the line. That's pretty obvious. He was 12 for 12, um, made 6 of 13 shots overall. But you mentioned the the over from three-point land where he was over 6. But if you really kind of study a little bit deeper, and I was visiting with Coach Tang about this uh, yesterday, uh, really what I describe as the big three, which would be Tyler and Cam and, and Arthur Kaluma, all three of those guys have been off a little bit over the last couple of weeks from three-point range, mainly in that area of 25-ish percent, and all, all of those guys are better shooters than that. And so you look up and you know, K-State lost the game Saturday, and now they've dropped six out of seven after a four-and-one and 14-and-four and start, I believe it was. Uh, so that's that's been, you know, one of the issues. Turnovers, I think, are another, but they've kind of, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of somewhat discounted that and just decided to kind of live with it and make, make up for it in other places. Because um, they're going to have, what, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 turnovers about every time out. I would assume you would agree with that. And then the other variable is the rebounding. You know, K-State, I think, had out-rebounded, what, three straight opponents, but not Saturday. TCU, part of that second-chance opportunity was 14. Let me say that again, 14 offensive rebounds. That's way, 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 way too many. Cam Carter finished with just six points. He was one of seven from the field. Two of the last three games, Cam Carter is at home specifically. Two of the last three games, Cam has just had rough games against Oklahoma, just five points and six against TCU. But between that, 17, 19, and 14, he's been scoring in double figures. Uh, he, he hit three threes against the Kansas Jayhawks. So maybe a little bit up and down right now. I think I saw his confidence, uh, you know, be shaken a little bit. He slapped the ball out of a TCU player's hands at one point and thought he might get teed up, but luckily he didn't. You know, there's another stat I need to point out here, Wyatt. If I would have told you before the game that TCU was only going to have nine fast break points and they're the best fast break team in the country, yeah. would you have thought, wow, K-State's got a really solid chance to pull this one out? Yes, absolutely true because – if you look at their season numbers going into our game on Saturday, they were averaging 20.1 points per game in transition and also eight points a game on stickbacks. Those are pretty astronomical numbers, and I think uh, it's kind of somewhat the strength of their team. So to hold them down like that certainly gave you an opportunity, and that I think adds to the, to the frustration. And one thing we haven't mentioned that we probably should is just the difference in the two halves. I mean, you have a 28-24 K-State lead at half, and then in the second half, K-State gives up 51, TCU gives up 44. Now, part of that, I think, was my personal opinion would be, I think the game was called a little differently in the second half, but clearly both teams were shooting the ball much better, and uh, there was much more freedom offensively in the second half. I didn't think either team defended great in the, in the second 20 minutes, honestly. Yeah, I mean, TCU did score 51 points in the second half to, compared to 24. I mean, they over-doubled their, yeah. their point total in the second half. You know, I, I, I did want to ask you, actually, about the officiating because um, this was a regu- regulation game, did not go to overtime, and it was still two and a half hours long. Um, I, you know, I, do you have thoughts on the way the game was called? I mean, I was just kind of getting annoyed about the – you know, even though I think actually the fouling kind of in the way that the game was called was actually benefiting K State in the last minute, it was just you know we had a total of gosh, let me count these up forty two, 
total fouls in the game. It just really right. would drag out the game. This may sound a little odd, and I felt like they did call uh, a lot of fouls in the game, 42-21 on each side. But generally speaking, compared to some of the other games we've had recently, I thought the game was fairly well officiated. I was visiting with a couple of people on the DV sport crew, and, and they kind of somewhat confirmed that some of those calls that even Coach Tang wasn't all that happy with, uh, probably more times than not were the right calls. Uh, so, I, And I think Jeb Hartness is a good official. I think Chris Pacey's a good official. I don't know what to say too much about Christopher Merlot because I just haven't seen him enough. But I, I'll probably buck trend there because I, I felt like those guys did a pretty good job overall. You know, going back to the last shot, I never thought about that. Um, what do you think about K-State going zone and, and mixing it up? And, you know, because th- K-State took a timeout right before TCU's last possession. And even, even uh-huh. though TCU hit the the three there with one second left, you know, I thought everything for K-State pretty much went well in that last possession except for that desperation shot. Yeah, I would agree with that, Mitch. I think that's a good thought. And I, my belief would be I think K-State got some mileage out of the zone, meaning it was effective more times than not. They have not been much of a zone team, and I think they used it a little bit more in this game than maybe they have in, in other games. And I'm not really sure necessarily why that is. Um, maybe it was trying to help off, off Jameer Nelson and Tennyson and others, but, but I, I just think they just wanted to give them a different look. And maybe it's this reason, too. Let's, let's be honest. TCU made six threes, but we all know the three-point shot is not TCU's expertise. They're just not that good of it. They're probably in the lower third of the league, and maybe that was part of the reason why, too. Well, they just don't shoot it a ton. That that was, uh, okay. I, I don't know, I think as of recent games, that's maybe an average game. But other than KU, they shoot, I believe, the second least amount of threes in the Big 12. They just hit five of eight in the uh, in the second half. And I mean, this game was a game of runs. I mean, K-State in the first half led 14-4. to Here comes TCU. They take the lead in the first half. K-State then builds an eight-point lead in the second half. They're up, and this is where the game really turned, where K-State was up eight in the second half, 12 and a half minutes to go, 49-41. And then over the next five minutes, TCU goes on a 20-2 run and then would lead 61-51 with about seven seconds le- or seven minutes left. That's a pretty p- specific part of the game that was very important I don't know if you have any thoughts about that portion of the game, about what stood out, but I would just say K-State had a couple of chances there to put the game away, and they just didn't. I think that's well said. I think that 20-2 run kind of somewhat speaks for itself. And you mentioned another segment there where K-State had, a, am going to say, a five- to six-minute stretch where they may not even have had one field goal, maybe one, but not much more than that. And I think that continues to bog down this team some. Again, I, I don't think K-State defended very well in the second half, and that cost him. Uh, but in a, in a year where they have been pretty up and down, I do think defensively has defense has been one of their strengths for the most part. Um, again, aside from the second half on Saturday, I think that's been true, especially since the early part of the year. But again, it's turnovers. Uh, the up and down on the rebounding. Um, 
probably just frankly not having the ability to value the ball more than they do and those kind of things, all of those things matter. And uh, a lot of times that those kind of things will get you beat. That happened that way this weekend. Wyatt Thompson joins us from Austin, Texas. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the reason why Wyatt is in Austin. Is That's because tonight the KSA men visit the Texas Longhorns. And we'll preview Texas when we come back on Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. We're back on Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner joined by the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, from Austin, Texas. And tonight here on K-Man, you'll hear the Cats in action against the Longhorns for the only time in the regular season as they tip off a few minutes after 8 o'clock from the Moody Center in Austin. Pre-game coverage at 7 right here on News Radio KMAN. Mitch back with Wyatt. Wyatt, um, you know, actually, first thought here just about Austin in general is this is going to be the last road trip for the uh, Cats to Austin. This may be your last professional road trip to Austin, Texas. Does that seem pretty weird to you? It does. Stan and I were talking about that last night when he flew in from Kansas City, how many times we've been here together over, you know, 22 years of football and basketball in this league together and you know, those kind of things. And it's just, and it's really been longer than that. When you go back to the start of the league in 96, it will feel really, really different. Um, I don't know, you know, (laughs) I'm excited about moving forward, but it will be a lot different without Oklahoma and Texas. We all know that. And, and I've always enjoyed coming here. You know, it's a, it's a city that's, you know, very vibrant, a lot of things going well here, but I'd also, be lying if I told you otherwise. I think that I think Austin has changed a lot over the 22 years I've been in the league. Honestly, now you you did call one game in the Moody Center last year. Do you like it a little bit more than the old drum? <laughs> well, we've had some issues offensively this year. We scored 116 here last year. I'd I'd uh, take anywhere in the hemisphere of 80 uh, ish tonight, or maybe even 70. I don't know. I, I love I like the arena. Um, we had uh, an opportunity last night at a little walkthrough, shoot around kind of thing that uh, got to see some of the things last night that I didn't see. Our first trip here, they have a courtside club just opposite of where the K State bench will be. That is just a spectacular thing to see. And, um, you know, up above, you know, on the concourse level, some of their suite level things are just off the charts. So it's probably a little bit better even than I thought it was a year ago, and I was I was pretty impressed with it, you know, in that first one. And that game last year was 116-103. to 103. I'm, I'll always remember that. And a few years ago when we were here, uh, Stan will remember this one too, <clears throat> we had a game here where uh, Denny Clemente went off for 44. So we'll always have a few memories of Austin, that's for sure. And that's not even talking about football, right? Yeah, it's a Denny Clemente game, your favorite one. I also remember Cartier Martin having a pretty big game um, down there. I believe it was Huggins' year that he went off and had a big game. Yeah, probably the reason I'll remember Denny's more so is because in the same game we had a Texas player come up over our table and knock out the power to our table. Um, and I did part of that 44-point game on a cell phone. Mm, I think <laughs> that I remember that. was not fun, but we fought through it. We finally got um, – We and our table was the only one that, that uh, lost power there. We didn't lose you know connection to our broadcast except for the power. It was just a power issue, but we got it figured out and got some help and got, got some power back, and we were fine. But there for five or six minutes when we don't really know what's happening, it's, it's a little bit hectic, but hey – 
still a 44-point game and one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. Have it you was ha- incredible. Have you had to call a game from your phone since then? Well, not probably for that length of time. There was a stretch when we were uh, in the Grand Caymans a year ago where there was, a, this is an odd story, I don't know if most people even realize this, but there was a wreck very close to the arena that hit some type of structure that knocked out uh, internet power to the entire arena. <laughs> mm. And we were broadcasting uh, through internet services there, so we started the game broadcast uh, with pregame on the phone, which was really bizarre, and we were being told that you know, it'd probably be second half before they got it restored. Fortunately for us, we got uh, the internet service back right as the game was tipping off. So, believe me when I tell you, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. It was it was odd and stressful, but we fought our way through it, as you always do. Well, again tonight, Cats at Texas for an eight o'clock tip off, and you know, both of these teams having a rough stretch as of late. K State fifteen and ten overall with a five and seven record in Big Twelve play. Meanwhile, the Texas Longhorns, they've actually struggled at home in Big 12 play. They're 2-4. and four. They're 16-9 overall and 5-7 uh, and seven in Big 12 play. Wyatt, what to you in this only meeting with Texas in the regular season stands out about the Longhorns and what could be a problem, maybe what works out for K-State? What are your thoughts on Texas? Well, let's talk about the problematic areas first. I think they have a couple of two or three guys that are really, really solid players. I think you start with Max Asmus, who's just a handful of points away from 3,000, which is an astronomical college basketball career. But he was held down in check at, at uh, Houston on Saturday. Um, terrific score, though. Um, I think when you look at him and, and Dylan DeSue right now, we're catching DeSue at a, at a moment in time where he's just playing really good basketball. And last year as a freshman, I really liked Dylan Mitchell. He's a 6'8", bouncy athlete, um, not a three-point shooter in any way. He's like 0 for 7 per year, but really good player. And, and I, I really think Tyrese Hunter and Kendall Weaver bring a lot of energy for them. Um, I, I think they're a good club. I don't think they're great. Uh, and you're right. They've been probably better in the league on the road than at home. And they're maybe the only exception in the league to that, right? I mean, they're the only only one, really. Um, but where does K-State match up? And you, you kind of feel like you have a chance. Well, I, I think K-State will defend them. For me, it comes down to how good a uh, defense, um, I, I mean, I, I should say, you're going to play good defense, but how, how will you play offensively? Can you make shots? Can you value possessions and maybe cut down the turnovers of some? You've got to compete on the glass because they do have size and athleticism. If you do those things, you give yourself a chance. Simple as that. With Texas losing at home, there are now no teams in the conference that have a winning record on the road. At best, teams are three and three. That'd be actually actually now it's four teams that are three and three. Baylor, Houston, Iowa State, and Texas on the road um, have a winning or have a uh, five hundred record. Meanwhile, K State um, one and five. K State two and four at home. One and five. Uh, away from Bramwich Coliseum is the last, you know, I guess it is, isn't the last one on the road for K-State? Is that West Virginia? Is that right? Uh, K-State's got the game tonight. Then they go to Lawrence before it's all said and done. Yeah. Uh, then the other games they have, excuse me, they have BYU at home, West Virginia at home, and Iowa State at home. 
And the last win on the road for K-State was at West Virginia, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Against- and, you know, let's talk about that just for one second because, yes, I get it that K-State's 1-5 and five on the road, but we were talking about this earlier, too. I think K-State has been better on the road than that record would indicate. I mean, they had a real shot to win, as you know, in Lubbock. They had a chance to mm-hmm. win. I won't say they had a great shot, but they had a chance to win in Ames. I mean, there there have been some games there where, you know, you could look at it like, you know, they could easily be three and three instead of one and five, but they're not. I just hope that they have, you know, that same kind of consistent effort and you, you make some shots tonight. Maybe you do have a shot. We'll see. You bring up a good point. I, I totally hear you because you're, you're not going to see a K-State team go on the road and not give it, give, give it a fighting chance for sure, even if they're down. The only exception to that all season has been Houston. That road trip to Houston right. is pretty much – over before it started, unfortunately. But you're right, Ames and Provo in Lubbock. I mean, they they've had their shots to win those games, and they just fell a little bit short in all of them. So I definitely give Casey a fighting chance to go in Austin and pull off the win. But things have changed now with the loss because of the TCU loss. You know, the NCAA tournament. You know, Joe Lenardi has K State hanging on by a thread in the bracketology on the up on the wrong side of the bubble, but hanging on by a thread. But how much has things changed for you? Are you now looking at the rest of the schedule? Like now, K State probably needs to win a couple of road games before the Big Twelve tournament rolls around. Yeah, and I think by a thread is accurate. I think K State is not out of it, even though many believe that they are. And the reason I think they're not out of it. It's because of the opportunities. It doesn't mean you're going to win them all, but but Texas is an example. They're in the top forty of the net. That would be a heck of a road win if yeah. you could get it right. You got you got Iowa State at home and those kind of things. And and so, uh, I mean, Kansas on the road. Sometimes you 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 play them close on the road. You, maybe you get bumped up a little bit in a couple of spots, and everything counts, right? So I I do think that you know there's still some stuff to play for and what have you. And, 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 one thing I will say, this team is far from perfect, and I, I get that. But I don't think these guys, they're down because they lost Saturday, but I don't think they're out. I, I think they'll come back and fight and battle. And, and I think, <laughs> I always say this when you're on the road, you want to be in it early, you want to be in it late. And, and if they do that, give themselves a chance, that's probably about all you can ask for. And the fact that they've had some success here you know, in recent years, including last year, it can't hurt. It may not help you a ton, but it can't hurt either. Wyatt, with that, I will let you go. Enjoy the rest of your time in Austin. Hopefully the Cats get a win tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for your time. Yes, sir, brother. Great talking to you, buddy. Voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson here on Wildcat Insider. Again, tip-off tonight at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage at 7 as the K-State men visit the Texas Longhorns. A timeout. We move to K-State women's basketball. They have slipped a little bit in the AP poll after a one-in-one week at Iowa State. Hosting UCF, we talk K-State women's hoops when we come back. Just a few seconds ago, the bringer of cats, Taylor Brad for K-State football, has sent out the cat signal for 2025. So it appears K-State may have their first commitment for the 2025 K-State football class. It could be a handful of guys, one of them. Uh, so I'll wait for that uh, young man to make his announcement, and when we know... We'll let you know about who the K-State first commit of 2025 is going to be as we're about, uh, let's see, we're roughly two weeks out from spring football. Yeah, I think we're two weeks exactly 
out from spring football getting officially underway. So, Cat signal out three minutes to go. Once we find out who that is, we will make sure to let you know. All right. K-State men's basketball in the rearview mirror for just a second. I do want to talk about the K-State women for a second because, man, did they play in a couple of uh, nail biters, to say the least. They lose in double overtime at Iowa State. They got finally, finally got Aoka Lee back in the lineup. Missed six games. Cats went four and two without her. They're now in second place in the Big 12. Thankfully, Oklahoma lost on Saturday. So K-State now a game back of first place in the Big 12 standings. Would be tied for the Big 12 if, unfortunately, Iowa State didn't get in their way and the Cyclones win 96-93. to It ended up becoming the Aoka Lee versus Audie Crooks game. And Crooks is a freshman. Yoki's a senior. And was that a battle of bigs or what? That Crooks girl is really good. I mean, she was making shots. I was like, dang. Yeah. Like, she's kind of on right now. Mm-hmm. She's shooting over Yoki. And, she, I mean, she was she was making some clutch shots. K-State just, you know, was missing free throws. And that's been an issue the last couple of games. Not hitting the free throws in clutch time. That allowed UCF on Saturday to make the full comeback. And K-State had to be clutch in the final six seconds to win that game. But... Iowa State had five players in double figures, and so did K-State, led by Aoka Lee and Serena Sundell. Yoki, it took her a while to get going. Had to shake off the rust. I think she finished one of, or she started, rather, one of eight from the field. And she finished eight of 21, which is, as a center, that's not good. Uh, But still got 20 points, six rebounds, seven blocks in the game. Couldn't have done it without her. At least have a chance. Serena Sendell hit a hit a three in overtime. I thought I was like that's like that's that's what's gonna win K State the game. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, Fourteen points from Briley Glenn, thirteen from Gabby, and uh, and ten from Gisela Sanchez was also hitting a couple of shots there when K State was really needing them to fall. And then you have UCF coming to town. UCF has struggled this year. They were missing some players. Their roster's better now. Caitlin Peterson has been a really good player this year. She's one of been one of the best individual performers in the Big 12 this year. She finished with 26 points. She played all the 40 minutes. K-State, for a long time, could not hit a three. I mean, was Brick City. They were building a fire station with these bricks. I just couldn't catch fire and yeah. bring those fire trucks out. I believe they were like 0 for 11 to start that game, if I'm not mistaken. 0 for 11 and half, and I I, yeah. I, I noticed whoever, whoever was keeping stats didn't count that last one right before the half <laughs> and kept them 0 for 11, and then K-State hits their only attempt in the third quarter, and they go 1 of 3 in the fourth. I mean, K-State men and women on Saturday combined just – let me see if I have the numbers here. Okay, so the men went 1 for 15, 3 for 30. The men and women combined on Saturday, three for 30 from three. For some reason, neither team could hit a three on Saturday. Luckily, the women held on. It it, it took a Zai to Serena to Jalen Glenn, who was begging for the basketball underneath the hoop. And that was not the first time in the game that UCF didn't get back and kind of fell asleep getting back on defense. There was a, a previous moment in the game, and I can't remember who the player was, 
but they were begging for the basketball as the cats were getting back in transition. Was all by herself, and I, they just didn't see her. Luckily, luckily, Serena, with the sharpshooter eyes that she has, zeroed in on Jalen, who was wide open, and it was a perfect pass. And Jalen just took a step in the lane, kind of this reverse layup go in, and it was a great pop, hell of a play to end the game. And the Cats survived, winning sixty to fifty-eight over UCF. So the K-State women now twenty-two and four, ten and three in the Big Twelve again, a game back. Uh, in that game, 19 points from Gabby Gregory. She actually led K-State in scoring, which was great to see, although she was one of eight from three-point range. But, heck, just about everybody else was breaking the threes. Anyway, Jalen Glenn, the only other player to make one. But she had four players in double figures, 15 from Eliza Moppin, and she was a great spark on both ends of the floor. She had a block. Uh, I thought she had a block in the game, but she had three steals. That was pretty key. Um, she was making plays on both ends. I mean, she had a double-double, 15 points, 11 rebounds. She was grabbing boards, six offensive rebounds from Eliza Mop, and she has been a great spark for K-State with without Aoka Lee uh, now for seven games, and K-State now five and two without Yoki because she didn't play because she hurt the other ankle. Not as serious, which is good news. Doesn't need surgery or anything like that. Sprain or something, rolled it. So they held her out for that game against UCF. I, you know, Obviously, they're trying to be careful with her. You don't want to rush her back. I don't think they're rushing her back. I felt you know, bringing her back for Iowa State, even though she may not have been 100%, but who is 100% these days in the season? And so she plays against Iowa State, finishes with 20 points, ends up getting hurt in that game. And uh, so she doesn't play against UCF. Fingers crossed. I, I hate we're doing this again because I feel so bad for her. She can't catch a break right now. Fingers crossed she plays Wednesday. And Wednesday is a ginormous game. Huge. Because the three-loss West Virginia team will be in town. K-State, number 10. West Virginia, I believe, is number 22 in the country. Um, that's a big game for K-State to still stay in the fight and to keep their chances alive for a Big 12 championship. This is a much-needed win. With the Cats just a game back, there's four regular season games to go. K-State really needs a dub against West Virginia. Hopefully, Aoka Lee is back. That is going to be a tough, tough battle if she is not available. But K-State is also undefeated in Bramlage Coliseum this year. And by the way, a road trip to KU coming up on Sunday. By the way, K-State fans, I've noticed there's a lot of tickets still on sale for uh, for um, Allen Fieldhouse for the game Sunday, K-State-KU. Let's go buy those tickets. Let's take a break. We'll finish our one of Wildcat Insider. By the way, we have Brandon Jones from K-State Baseball coming up at 525, going to talk to us about the first three games of K-State baseball so far, going 2-1. and one. Mitch Palm versus Texas at 510. Look at the Big 12 standings when we come back on Wildcat Insider. In Oklahoma's uh, performance on Saturday against KU, allowing KU to get their second Big 12 win on the road this year. Oklahoma was looking good in the first half. And what happened? They couldn't score. They looked bad in the second half. Things turned around. KU won by 10. In Norman. Sooners, you didn't come through for me. We take a look at the Big 12 standings. On the men's side, we have six games left. 
on the men's side for each team. Right now there is, excuse me, there's a tie for first. Iowa State and Houston. Doesn't surprise me. I think they are the two best teams in the conference. Iowa State, play. they both play phenomenal defense. I think Houston is a better offensive team. Um. And well, defensive team as well, but yeah. you know Iowa State really isn't that far behind. Both teams are undefeated at home. Um, both have played well so far in Big Twelve play on the road. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a losing. Nobody has a winning record in the Big Twelve on the road. Alone in second place is Baylor. KU right now in fourth. TCU and Texas Tech are tied for fifth. BYU seventh. Oklahoma eighth, and then you have a tie for ninth place. Cincinnati, Texas, and K-State. Right now, K-State projected to play day one of the Big 12 tournament, which is now a, you know, if you're a top four team, you get two buys in the tournament. That is not where you want to be, and that goes without saying. Quite obviously, that is not where you want to be. Um, UCF, Oklahoma State, West Virginia are 11, 12, and 13. On the women's side, K-State women are right now, uh, like I said, tied for second in the Big 12 with Texas and West Virginia. So K-State, to beat West Virginia, gets you a game up on the Mountaineers. You stay tied for second at least, and you hope Oklahoma loses a game. After you split the series with them, Texas also, they can take a hike as well. But Oklahoma is first 12-2. A game back is Texas, West Virginia, and KU. Right now, K-State, if the Big 12 tournament started, which there are four games left before their tournament at T-Mobile Center, would be the three seed. So they would get a double bye. I, you said KU's fourth currently, right? On the men's side, yeah. They have never finished below third in the Bill Self era. you got to go back to 99-2000 under Roy Williams, the last time they finished lower than third in the Big 12. There's A.J. Shaw, your nugget of the day. KU on the women's side, um, well, actually, there's quite separation. This is clearly a top four, definitely the best teams in the conference season for the Big 12 because you have KU in fifth. And they're eight and six. They are three games back from the rest of the, uh, the the teams ahead of them, and then also tied with them is Iowa State and Baylor, and then you have everybody else. So, like I said, big one Wednesday night for the K State women, which tips off at six thirty. Get your tickets, get your purple on it. Head to Bramlage on Wednesday. That is a huge game to really benefit K-State's chances of a Big 12 title. All right, coming up in hour number two of Wildcat Insider, Mitch Palm versus the Texas Longhorns to kick off the hour. Plus, after that, we'll be joined by K-State baseball center fielder Brendan Jones and get his thoughts on the first three games of the season. Your local news, also next, Wildcat Insider. 